Well, if you're visiting with us, uh, we are in what we call our annual REACH conference. In the first two weeks, we uh, basically have kind of zeroed in on all of our global partners. Today, we're zeroing in on all of our local uh, partners. And here's the deal. You may not, um, you know, be called to go to Tanzania or Germany or some far-off land. But you know what? It could be that you're called to serve the Lord in one of these areas. And afterwards, you know, I just want to challenge you to go out and meet up with these, these people that we support, not only through our prayers and stuff, but financially. And it could be that the Holy Spirit will say something to you that, hey, you ought to get involved in the chemo crew. You ought to get involved with uh, uh, the gospel mission. You ought to get involved with AVC. You ought to get involved with the Modesto Pregnancy Center or Christian Beret Camps or whatever it might be. Those are all worthy organizations where some of you might go, wow, I could use my gifts, my talents, my abilities in, in that area. So make sure you get out there and, and meet, meet those folks, say hi to them, pick up some of their, their literature. The, um, when we do the, you know, this, this REACH conference, we, we basically have two primary goals. And the first one is it just gives us a, a chance to be reminded of all of the great people that we support. And because they serve all over the world or they're in other parts of our town, uh, we can forget that when that little green basket goes by and you put your, your gift in there, a piece of that goes to support all of these people. And it's uh, the, the REACH conference is a way for us to all be reminded of the great people that we support as a church. And number two, it gives us the chance to remind everybody that God wants us all to reach the lost, not just those that we support as a church, not just those that were up on this platform or those, you know, that we support globally, but God wants all of us to be involved in reaching people with the gospel. In fact, as you walk out of here today, or all, you know, the last three weekends, at every entrance or exit, there's a sign that you read that, that said, you know, we're in, the, we're in our REACH conference as you walked in, but as you leave, it says something different. Every one of our exits, there's a sign, and as you walk out, it says, you're now entering the mission field, because that's the truth. There's there's an important um, part of the Christian life where we gather together like this for about an hour and a half each weekend. This is an important thing for believers to do, is come together and fellowship together and sing songs to God and about God together, pray together, hear the word proclaimed together. This hour and a half is very important in the life of a believer. But there's 168 hours in the week, which means that you, the church, are going to spend the majority of the week, 166 and a half hours, scattered all over our town, all over our county. 
You're going to leave here in just a little bit and go back to your neighborhoods. And some of you may head off to work. Certainly Monday, many of you will get up and you'll go to work. Some of you will, you know, join up with three other guys or gals in a foursome and play golf. The church, you, myself, we spend the majority of our time scattered all over our town. And it's when we scatter. That's where God says, I want you, my people, to be involved in reaching the lost. Go, be salt, be light in your neighborhoods, amongst your family members who don't know Christ, amongst those that you work with who don't know Christ. Part of the reason why we do a REACH conference is obviously we want to be reminded of all the great partners that we support, but it's also a time to focus in on the fact that every one of us, if you name the name of Christ, we're about reaching the lost. It's not about coming together here weekly and it's us four and no more and, you know, I'm saved and who cares about anybody else. That's not what the church is about. The church is about going out and being God's hands and feet out there, being God's mouthpiece amongst those that we run into. So with this said, I want everybody to take their Bibles and and turn to Acts chapter 1. And I just kind of want you to put your finger there because there's a verse in that chapter that's very, very important to us as a church. It's very important to us here at Big Valley Greats. Before I I read this verse, I want to lay a foundation for all of you. When you became a Christian, when you gave your life over to Christ, a whole bunch of things changed. When when you recognized that you uh, were a, a sinful person, when you recognized that your sin had messed up your relationship with with God, when you recognized that your sin had just goofed up everything, when you recognized that there wasn't anything you could do to fix the problem. Of sin, when you recognize that you were created in God's image and that God loved you so much that He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross to, to rid you of the problem of sin, when you recognized that, when God opened your eyes to that and you humbled yourself and said, God, I need you in my life, God, I surrender my life over to you. I receive you into my life as my Lord and Savior. God, I'm no longer going to be the CEO of my life, but I'm going to let you be the CEO. You're God and I'm not. At that moment, at the very moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ, a lot of things changed. Jesus said this in John chapter 8 to a bunch of people who were not his followers. Okay? So these were people who weren't following Jesus. Jesus said to them in John 8, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but he, my my father, has sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are not able to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. You want to carry out your father's will. 
That's a weighty, weighty statement that Jesus just made. I mean, that is, that, that, that is just unbelievably uh, a powerful thought. Jesus is giving us some, some really interesting data there. You see, before you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you had a different spiritual father. And you were committed to carrying out the desires of your former father. Now, you didn't know it at the time. You didn't consciously wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to carry out the desires of my father, the devil, today. Nobody did that. But according to Jesus, that's exactly what was happening. You may have thought that you were somehow neutral to the things of God. You might be here right now thinking to yourself, what are you talking about? I'm okay with what you guys do. You, You may be an unbeliever right now. And hey, I'm glad that you guys support the gospel mission. Hey, I think it's really neat that you guys have good Sam. Hey, I think it's really cool that you have the chemo crew. I'm not against those things. And you might think that you're not against them. You may think and believe that you're somewhat neutral to the things of Jesus. But according to Jesus, if you do not know him, you have a father. And you're somehow committed to carrying out his desires. Jesus also made this powerful statement in John or Matthew chapter 12. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me actually is scattering. Once again, man, that's just weighty. There's no wiggle room in, in, in those words of Jesus. You're either for him or you're against him. There's no middle ground. You're either about gathering together, you know, God's chosen people, or you're about scattering people. It's one of the two. Now, once again, you... You didn't wake up in the morning and say, okay, you know, how can I go about messing up what Jesus has planned for the world today? Nobody did that. Did that. I never did that. Or how can I, you know, make sure God's purposes are somehow thwarted in the world today? Nobody thinks that consciously. Before I gave my life to Christ, I never once had a bad thought about God. I really didn't. I never had a bad thought about Jesus. I would drive by churches and think, man, that's cool. I'm glad that they go and that they, you know, are doing their thing. Good, good for them. I'd go to church. I thought people were crazy, believing in a God, but I wasn't against what, you know, their songs. I wasn't against what they were about. If they found fulfillment in that, that's great. But the reality was I, I wasn't neutral. Now, as I said a minute ago, everything changed at the moment you gave your life to Christ. 
At that moment, God adopted you into his family. You became a, a child of God. And what that means is that God is now your spiritual father. At the moment you gave your life to Christ, yes, your name was written in the Lamb's book of life, and yes, you know, you get to go to heaven when you die and all that kind of stuff, but at the very moment you gave your life to Christ, you now have a new spiritual father. One day, the disciples came to Jesus, and they asked him to, to teach them to pray. The disciples didn't say, Jesus, will you teach us a prayer that we can pray over and over again. They said, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And Jesus said, yeah, I'll teach you to pray. And then we read in Matthew chapter six, Jesus said, here's how you pray, guys. Our Father, which is in heaven. In other words, hey guys, re realize now, you have a Father in heaven when you pray, when you talk, understand who he is. He's your father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Remember, guys, he, he's holy. He's pure. He's righteous. He's not like anybody else. So, so, so treat his name with great respect. And then he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hey guys, when you pray, remember you're praying to your father in heaven and there's nobody like him. So you make sure you keep his name holy and then you remember it's all about his will. You want his will to be done down here on planet earth just like it's being done in heaven. You see, the issue is his will isn't being done down here on planet earth. Why? Because there's a whole lot of unbelievers down here on planet earth that have a different spiritual father and they're carrying out the will of their father. And now we have a new father. And he has a different agenda for our lives. He has a different desire for our lives. He has a different will for our lives. And one of the things that we're to do as his people is we're to say, God, I, I want to know what your will is. I want to know, God, that I might do it. It's your will that matters. Our Heavenly Father has a, a different mission for your life than the enemy had for your life. Now, many parts of this new life mission are unique only to you. But there are, there's at least one part of your new mission that we all have in common, that every believer has in common. In other words, uh, you know, not everybody can play the, the harp like, like Greg. That's a part of his life mission, no doubt about it. Not everybody can sing like Scott Butler. That's not, that, I'm not supposed to have a mic. It's not a part of my life mission to lead people in worship. That's unique to Scott. There are people right now working in our, you know, holding babies right now. That I know that ain't a part of my mission. <laughs> Those are just crazy people over there, man. Don't, don't, don't get near them because they're weird. I, I can hold one at a time and even after that, I'm, I'm exhausted after about, you know, two minutes. Not all of us have the same life mission in terms of, you know, serving 
But there is one part that we all have in common, and that is God wants you to tell other people about what's happened to you. That's a part of all of our life mission. That's a part of God's will for all of our lives. If you name the name of Christ, you're not, not everybody's supposed to sing and not everybody's supposed to play the harp and not everybody's supposed to be in the choir. Not everybody's supposed to hold babies. Not everybody's supposed to mentor teenagers. Not everybody's supposed to work in the chemo crew. Not everybody's supposed to work at, you know, uh, uh, wherever that might be. But all of us are to talk about what has happened to us. That's something we all have in common. This is also called your testimony. Listen to what the apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 20. He said, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task or the mission the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Beloved, according to this verse, there wasn't anything more important to Paul than sharing what Jesus had done in his life with other people. And I think it has to be one of the top priorities for anybody who names the name of Jesus. If you name the name of Christ, it's got to be one of your top priorities. Now, it shouldn't be, a, it's not one of my top priorities to lead worship. I never think about it. It's not, I don't wake up in the morning going, okay, man, I can hardly wait to go hold babies. That's not a top priority to me. Now, I'll go do it if there's a need, but that's not my top priority. I have my priority, you've got yours, but all of us, if you name the name of Christ, we all are to have as our top priority or one of our top priorities, telling other people about what God has done in our lives. See, here's the deal. Everybody matters to God. And because everybody matters to God, everybody has to matter to us. If you name the name of Christ, oh God, I want your will to be done down here on planet earth. I want your will to be done in my life just like it's being done in heaven. Look, the cross proves that everybody matters to God. And if everybody matters to God, our heavenly father, then as his, his children, everybody has to matter to us. One of the most famous verses in all of the Bible John 3.16, where we get to hear the very words of Jesus, where he said, for God so loved the world, he so loved people, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him, whoever would surrender their life over to him, who would ever, who would ever you know, humble themselves before him, They wouldn't perish. They wouldn't spend their eternity in hell. But they would have eternal life in heaven forever with him. Here you have the Holy Trinity, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us about a conversation that the three of them had. Genesis 1:26, And they make this decision to make human beings in their image. 
They make humans in their, in their image. And then human beings, Adam sins and sin enters into the world. And then there had to be this moment where the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are in conversation. And a decision is made that the Holy Son of God would leave heaven, leave glory, and come here to planet earth. To pay a ransom for our souls. That's how much we as human beings are loved by God. And God wants his people to love human beings as much. Here's the deal, you need to remember that all the people around you, your relatives, your neighbors, your coworkers, every one of them has a hole in their heart that only God can fill. Now people try to fill that emptiness with a lot of things, uh, sex, pornography, being popular, making money, achievements, getting well-known, hobbies, you know, narcotics, therapy, all kinds of things, but only God can truly fill that emptiness. Only God can do that. And because of this, God wants you to invest some of your time, some of your energy, some of your money into telling other people about Jesus. He doesn't want all of your time. He doesn't need all of your, your energy. He doesn't want all of your money. But certainly, some of your time, some of your energy, some of your shekels has to be devoted to reaching lost people. Has to be. Listen, if you want your one life to, to count for something great, what could be better than investing your time, energy, and money into getting people into heaven and out of hell? There's nothing more significant you can do with your life. Nothing. Now I want you to know, it's, it's one of the things that keeps me going as a pastor of this great church. I love watching God change people's lives. I love watching God put together, you know, marriages that have literally fallen apart. I, I love watching God get people off drugs and alcohol. I love watching God heal people who were abused and, and hurt in the past. I, I love watching God rescue broken people. I love watching God discover that they're created in God's image and that God has a, a great purpose or a great mission for their life. Hey, often I, I, I'm, I'm discouraged. I, I get to deal with lots of really, um, really crummy things. I get to see the impact that sin has on an individual life or that sin has on a marriage or a family or a business. And there are times when, just in my humanity, it's, it's very discouraging but a, a week doesn't go by when I don't hear about a couple who God rescued their marriage. Yes! I, you know, I, I got one more week for you, Lord. I'm good. Or I hear about somebody who was all goofed up on drugs and alcohol and they've given their life to Christ and man, their life has been transformed. Yes, I'm good, God, for another month. Let's keep going. It's amazing how when I get to see and hear about a transformed life, that it just, it does something. 
when life gets tough, this is one of the things that, that keeps me going. Now, with all this said, go ahead and open your Bible there to Acts chapter 1, and let's look at this very important verse, and that's verse 8. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, as I said, this is a very, very important verse to us here at Big Valley Grace because our church was founded on this verse. In fact, every church ever planted was founded on this verse. And one of the cool things about this verse is that it not only tells us what we're supposed to do, but it also tells us what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to do it at. And the first thing I want you to notice about this is that God doesn't say, hey, will you please, you know, consider being one of my witnesses? Will you consider it? Will you give it some thought? Hey, Andy, listen, when you go to work on Monday, would you just take some time and would you consider maybe being one of my witnesses? <laughs> doesn't say that. The word of God says, you will be my witness. God's expectation, his will for your life is that you will be one of his witnesses. Now, what exactly does that mean? What is a, what is a witness? A witness is just somebody who shares from personal experience. I saw this, I heard that, I watched them do that, or, or whatever. It's not about being a, you know, a theological expert. It's not about being a pastor or a pre uh, preacher. It's simply sharing what God has done in your life or what he's doing in your life. I have been... Uh, I was called as a witness in a, in a trial. So I got to the witness stand, you know. You tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but truth, I will. So I sat down. And the only thing I had to be a witness to was what I actually saw and what I actually heard. Uh, Mr. Countryman, I was wondering, what did you see uh, right before that car ran into that uh, tree? I, I didn't see anything. All I, I saw was him run into the tree. Now, Mr. Countryman, did you see him drinking any alcohol? I didn't see that, but what I saw was he ran into a tree. Well, Mr. Countryman, I was wondering, did you see him smoking any, you know, marijuana? I, I didn't see any of that. What I saw was his car ran into a tree. Well, Mr. Countryman, I was wondering, when he got out of the car, did you see him wobbling around? You know, I didn't see him get out of the car. All I had to do was testify to what I had seen. That's it. And that's all God wants you to do. You don't have to be a theological expert. You don't have to be a pastor or a preacher. You just simply talk about what you know. And if somebody asks you a question about something that you don't know, say, I don't know that yet. I'm still learning about my faith. You've asked a great question, but I, I don't have the answer to that. I want you to think about this. If you don't talk about what God has done in your life or what God is doing in your life, who's gonna know? The answer is nobody. 
If you don't talk about what God's doing in your life or what he's done in your life to your children, they'll never know. If you don't talk about what God's done in your life or what he's doing in your life with your grandchildren, they'll never know. If you don't talk about what God is doing in your life or what he's done in your life with the other three guys in your foursome, they'll never know. If you don't talk about what God has done in your life or what he's doing in your life with your parents or those that you go to school with, they're never going to know. It is incumbent upon you to talk about what God is doing in your life or what he's done in your life. And the Bible says that God has given you his Holy Spirit and one of the reasons that God has given you his Holy Spirit is to give you the power that you need to open your mouth and talk about what God's doing in your life or what he's done in your life. It's amazing to me that unbelievers, when you get to work on Monday, they have no problems talking about all of the sin and debauchery and evil that they were involved in. They are quite um, willing to tell you about their sexual conquests of the weekend. And there Christians sit, you know, in the cubicle next door. What'd you do? Uh, as they just rattle on about all the sin and evil that they were involved in. Instead of going, what did I do? Well, let me tell you what I did. Man, I enjoyed going to church on Saturday night or Sunday morning. Man, fellowshipping with you know, my friends and man, we were singing these great sacred songs and man, I had a chance to honor the Lord with my gift and man, I heard a message from the word of God that really helped me in my marriage or whatever. Man, I can hardly wait till next weekend and go to, you know, so I can get back to church. That just took me, that probably took me 10 seconds. Have a good day, Jim, and go back to work. Don't let evil just kind of take over the office. God has given you his Holy Spirit that you would have the power not to be a jerk. But if everybody else is talking about all the stuff they were doing, why don't you just say, hey, here's what God's doing in my life. Man, I went to church and, man, I was fellowshipping with some of the greatest people. I love to be around them. They're so encouraging. We were praying for each other. And I heard this great harpist. Guy's world-class harpist. That music was so sacred and so beautiful. Got to see some of the people in our church that are doing good things for God all over our city. Heard a message from, from God's word. It was really great. Went into my, you know, our Sunday school class, prime time. And, man, it was just a beautiful, beautiful time. I enjoyed it. In fact, I can hardly wait till next Sunday. Who knows how a simple statement like that might, you know, matter to somebody. Beloved, one of the reasons why God gave you the Holy Spirit was because he wanted you to have the power to open your mouth and tell others about what he's done in your life. You don't have to have all the answers. People are going to ask you questions about things you don't have the answer to. Remember, you're on a witness stand. Just talk about what you know. And say, I don't know, I don't know about that. I can tell you this though, 
I was once lost, but now I'm found. Yeah, well, you know, what about the Crusades? I, man, I don't know. I don't know about the Crusades, man. All I know is I was lost, but now I'm found. People might want to take you anywhere. Would you just come back to only talk about what you know? Ephesians chapter 3 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, that's the Holy Spirit, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You just never know what will happen when you just open your mouth and allow God's power within you to talk to somebody else about what God's doing in your life or what he's done in your life. Uh, look, <laughs> I have had, I can't even tell you, I couldn't count the thousands of spiritual conversations that I've had with people, literally all over our town, and I can think of a bunch of times where I'm talking with somebody at a coffee shop or I'm talking with somebody about something and for whatever reason, man, I, I can't remember the four spiritual laws. I can't remember the five bunny hops to Christ. I, I can't remember what each finger means and I'm just fumbling around. I can't find a verse. I'm, I'm just all over the place and I'm thinking to myself, man, am I butchering this thing up? And I, talk, I you know, say, you know, our church meets Saturday nights at six and Sundays at nine and 11 and I walk away and get in my car and go, wow. Wow, that, that guy's, that was, that was brutal. And then I show up here, and the guy's sitting in the front row. And afterwards, you know, I talk to him, and man, I just couldn't get out of my mind what you said to me Thursday at, you know, out at the mall. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I couldn't either. You know, what I mean? <laughs> not really, not really sure uh, what I said ever meant anything. Um, and here's the deal: what you learn. It ain't that, you, you ain't that important in the equation. You're just not. It's him and his power and his love for people. And somehow when the words leave your mouth, by the time they hit somebody else's ears, who knows what the Lord does with it. I, I just know there are times, I, I'm preaching messages, and I know the Lord's got to be in heaven going, wow, wow, is that guy butchering that up? <laughs> you know, that was weird. <laughs> it was pretty clear when we had it written, but man, he sure made that difficult, you know. And yet, you be as faithful as you can. And God does the rest. Acts. 1.8 tells us that one of our great responsibilities is that we're called to be witnesses for God, but it also tells us um, where we're to be witnesses at. And, and you, you gotta imagine this moment. Jesus has the guys together, and they're in Jerusalem at this time, and he says, hey guys, here's, here's, the, here's the vision. Here's, here's my vision. Okay, guys, you guys ready? Yeah, ready. Go for it. You're gonna get the Holy Spirit, it's gonna come upon you, okay? And I want you to be my witnesses, I want you to talk about me in Jerusalem. You got it, and high fives, man, woo! We're here, I, man, we got, we, we're, we'll nail this one. 
And then, guys, I want you to think beyond Jerusalem. I want you to think about all of Judea. Okay, uh, we, can, we, we can do that. We got camels. We, we'll get out there. We'll do it. And, guys, not only that, we want you to go into Samaria. Uh-huh. Samaria. And then, guys, let, let me just put the capstone on this. I want you to go everywhere, the whole world. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that when Jesus walked out the door, they got together and went, he's nuts. He's, he's gone nuts. What is he talking about? I get Jerusalem. I can even hang with Judea. But Samaria? The ends of the earth? Now, what exactly does all this mean? Beloved, when in real estate, the three most important things are location, location, location. When you're reading your Bible, the three most important things are context, context, context. You have to understand who the audience was, why it was being written. You got to understand all of those things. That's super important. And then once you understand that, why God was having that written to that group of people at that moment, then you can begin to extrapolate out some principles on how it might impact us, you know, all of these years later. And when you read Acts 1-8, and he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, does that mean that God wants us all to get in an airplane and fly to Jerusalem? That's what the Bible says. That we're to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, so, you know, let's all get in an airplane and go to Jerusalem and be witnesses there. No, you need to understand the context. As I said, they were in Jerusalem at that time. And so I think the principle for us is, look, Jerusalem is just where you're at. In other words, Jesus says, listen, be my witnesses right where you're at now, today, in Modesto, California. Just start where you're at. Reach the people that are closest to you right now, right here. He's not saying that we all need to get in a plane and fly to Jerusalem. It's your, your family, your, your friends, your coworkers. It's those that you play golf with, those you do life with. That would be your Jerusalem, if you will. And then he says, I want you to go into Judea. Now, Judea would be like, uh, like, like the county. So what would be our, our Judea? It would be, well, I don't know, Stanislaus County. I don't know, over 600,000 people in our county, 19 cities in our county. And so what God is saying there in Acts is, I want you to care about those within your sphere of influence, but then I want you to think just outside that. And so uh, uh, we have a desire as a church family to have a presence in every single town, city in our county. And we've identified believers that literally live in every single town in our county. And we want to have a a presence of prayer in each of the cities of our county. Because the word of God says that we're to care about the lost around us, but then we're to care about Judea. We're to care about our county. (coughs) And then he says in Samaria... 
Now, the Samaritans were culturally and ethnically different from the disciples, and I believe the point here is, is that God wants you, as one of his followers, to go to people who are different than you, people that come from a different culture than yours, or people who speak a different language that you speak, or people who come from a different ethnic group than you come from. And here's the beautiful thing about living in Modesto, and I love living in Modesto. I think this is a fantastic town. I get upset when I hear people talk about how crummy our town is. This is a great town, especially if you're a believer. What a great place to live out your faith in a town like Modesto. Because here's the deal. The chances are, if you live here in Modesto, is that you know somebody that comes from a different culture than you come from. Did you know that there are at least 40 different languages that are spoken in our city schools here in Modesto? 40 different languages. They got a lot of really different people from different ethnic backgrounds and cultures in our city. You don't have to go very far to get to your Samaria, do you? In some cases, it might even be right next door to you. For me, it's right next door. Family just moved in from Afghanistan. They're right next door. God just brought them right here. Boom, right next door to me. I don't have to do anything. I can look over my fence. Hey, neighbor, good to see you. Trying to build a relationship with them. Then finally, God says, I want you to go to the ends of the world. Now, for hundreds of years... Christians couldn't pull this off because there wasn't any way of getting to the ends of the earth. In fact, for many years, a lot of people just thought the world was flat and wasn't even around. But today, going to the ends of the world is easy. In fact, everybody in this room right here could do a short-term missions trip. We could send you anywhere on the planet today. Think about this. If you were at the top of our state, north, and you were to get in a car and you were to drive to the south of our state, it takes about 15 hours. 15 hours to drive from the top of California to the bottom of California. If you were to get on a plane in San Francisco and you took off at the same time that a car left the top of our state and was heading to the bottom of our state, you could be in Japan in 10 hours. You'd make it to Japan before you got to the bottom of our state. Sitting in your living room on your Barca lounger, you literally, if you got a computer in your lap, can minister to people all over the world. And you can have a cup of coffee next to you and a bowl of chips. Oftentimes on Sunday afternoons and Mondays, we have people watching us literally all over the world, literally all over the world. And people will contact me on my Facebook page or they'll email me. And I'm, I'm literally I'm sending off an email to somebody in, you know, in, in Africa. And then I'm sending off another email to somebody in London. And then I'm sending off another email to somebody in Canada. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, the disciples would just go crazy if they lived today. I'm literally touching people from the ends of the world. And the only way I can do that is because we take an offering, we invest in cameras, we invest in all the equipment we need to beam out our services literally all over the world and there's thousands of people that watch. It's crazy. 
And so can you. You can literally touch lives all over the world just sitting in your living room. Look, sharing your faith is one of the great responsibilities that we have as a Christian, but there's also no greater thrill than just talking about Christ. There's just nothing, nothing will get your uh, uh, adrenal glands going like just talking about spiritual things with somebody. Last night, uh, I'm not feeling very well. I've I'm, I'm, got this thing going on in my chest and all of that. But So last night we were praying and, and Dr. Chin was here representing uh, AVC, Advancing Vibrant Communities, and he's my doctor. And so we were sitting back there and I said, man, doc, I'm just, I'm just out of it, I'm sick. And he goes, well, look, here's the deal. You need to go home as soon as we're done here and go to bed. And I said, doc, look at everything on me is falling apart. Literally, except for one thing, my adrenal glands. <laughs> Those work. Man, woo, I can't go home on a Saturday night and go to bed. I'm so amped up talking about Christ, talking about Jesus with people. Man, I'll tell you, there is nothing more exciting than sitting down with somebody and talking about what God has done in your life or what he's doing in your life. I'm telling you, even if they yell at you, scream at you, spit in your face, and that happens all the time. That's okay. It is really one of the great thrills, but here's the, here's the sad truth. Most people will never experience that feeling because they never fulfill their mission in life. Now here's the deal, just quickly, I'm gonna run, run, run through just the first one and we're not gonna get to the other two that are in your notes, but it's one of the reasons why I just give you the answers now. <laughs> uh, I don't do the fill in the blanks anymore. Just, you got it, you can go home and look at it on your own. But here's it, I wanna give you three things. I'm only gonna talk about one of them, just real quickly. If you, you wanna fulfill the mission that God has put you on earth to fulfill, here's, here's number one. You gotta deal with all the distractions that will come. Man, I'll tell you what, there's just a lot of distractions right now. And we, our, our enemy, remember we, had, we used to have a, a, another spiritual father and he's really good at what he does, and he can't, he can't keep you from going to heaven. That's a done deal. But what he can do is get you so distracted and get you so goofed up that you know what, you're no earthly good down here. And one of the things that he's done is, is this, is that if all we had to do was choose between something that's evil and something that's good, man, our walk with Christ would be easy, wouldn't it? Uh, this is evil, this is good, I'll do that. But Satan's too good for that. He's too smart, he's too wise. And what he does is he puts something really good out there. Look at this, it's good. And he hopes we bite on that because God has the very best. And so those are the decisions we make at times. Something good, it could even be something sacred. or God's will. And one of the things that happens is we start going after all these things over here and they just distract us from the most important things. See, in your life there are things that are important and there are things that are unimportant. And if you're gonna fulfill your mission, you gotta shove all the unimportant stuff aside. Look, here's the deal, here's the deal. There are three things, real quickly. Number, three big distractions that I've found in my 30 years here. Distraction number one is the desire to get rich. 
Nothing wrong with being rich, but if you wake up every morning thinking about how I can make another shekel or two, and that, 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 that's kind of the, the, the goal, then you're already goofed up. Nothing wrong with being wealthy. I'm thankful for those of you that are wealthy in our church and you express your thankfulness by your generosity to this church. But I'll tell you what, if that's the, if that's the deal, how do I make more money, how do I make more money, then you're already goofed up because God didn't put you here just to get rich so that you could somehow retire, you know, good. He's got a, a, a will, a mission for your life. Number two, distraction number two is dwelling on, on past failures. Oh, pastor, you don't know anything about my life. There's no way God could possibly use me. I've sinned and I've goofed up. Listen, listen to me. Noah got drunk and exposed himself to his children. Moses, you know, killed an Egyptian. Jonah struggled with racism. Samson had little self-control when it came to women. David committed adultery and murder. James and John wanted special seating when they got to heaven. Thomas doubted the reality of the resurrection. The woman at the well failed five times at marriage, and yet she was used to start a, a revival. And Peter... Denied knowing the Lord. Are you goofed up? You're in good company. <laughs> God knew that Peter was going to deny him. And yet he still chose him. And he knew. God's very much aware of the fact that you're a human being and that you're going to blow it this side of glory. And one of the things the enemy will do is he'll, oh man, pastor, back in 62. Back in 62? Did you ask God to forgive you? Yeah, I did it in 63. Well, what'd you bring it up for? It's over. It's done with. You trying to tell me, you know, for, for, for 50 something years, you've been paralyzed because of some sin? Man, you don't understand the grace of God. Look, you're going to blow it. You're going to blow it, I guarantee it. And there may be consequences that go on for a lifetime because of your sin. But that doesn't mean that God can't use you to fulfill your mission. And the third big distraction is, is your plan for your life. And this is the biggest one of all. Your dreams, your desires, your wishes, your goals, your ambitions, your hope, your desires, all of these things are huge distractions from God's plan for your life. You see, if you boil it down, here, here are your choices. You've got basically two, and the first one is this. You, you, put, put those up. You, you, you can choose to do your thing. As a believer, you can choose to do your thing, your will. Or you can choose to do God's thing. You can choose to do God's will. Tap into the power of the Holy Spirit in you that you would be one of his mouthpieces. But here's the deal. You, you can't choose both. Can't do both. Now, you think you can do both. Hey, pastor, I'm a great multitasker. Yeah, right.
One of the great distractions from fulfilling God's purpose in your life is you choosing your dreams and your desires. Nothing wrong with having dreams, nothing wrong with having desires, but that doesn't mean that that's God's will for your life. King David had a dream. I'm gonna build you a temple, God. You deserve a temple. And God did deserve a temple. That was a beautiful dream that David had. But God said, no, you're not. You're not gonna build the temple. And it was his son who ends up building the temple. For us, God, I just need to know what your will is for my life. And I'm going to choose that. When you make that decision, let me just tell you something. Wow. Unbelievable things will take place. So let me end with these two questions. How badly do you want to be, you know, be what God meant for you to be? In other words, how badly do you, do you want to fulfill your mission? Just, just sit with that for a second. How badly do you want it? And you really want to be used by God to, you know, reach lost people? How, how badly do you want it? Just, just think about it. Scale from one to ten. I don't know, put a number. Five, you know, whatever. Two, I don't really care that much about the lost, you know. Man, I'm an eight, I'm a nine. Man, how badly do you want it? And here's the second question. And it's the better question, it's the deeper question, and that is, what are you willing to give up to do it? Wow. That's what's hard. I think about those that serve in our church. <laughs> Look, you got all these choir members and musicians and... <laughs> They had to give up a lot. It just so happened this Wednesday we had a prayer meeting, but man, they give up time to rehearse and practice. They get here early. They, they, they give up something to be a part of this, this team. But because they do, man, aren't we all blessed? Here's the deal it probably is gonna cost you something to fulfill the mission. There's probably some things you need to do to be in a place where God can use you. And I'll bet every one of us has some low-hanging fruit, some things that we could just do right now that you just know. Right, right now, you just know it. I, you know what, I gotta start doing this. I gotta cut this out. I gotta start giving. I gotta find a place to serve. There's just this low-hanging fruit that you can't miss in Scripture. For others of you, it may take you a while to get up the tree to grab some fruit. I, I don't know. Just stand over in the, the venue. I want you to stand. And I just want you to close your eyes for, for just a moment. You're going to go out and meet our local partners and have a great time in the, the fireside room with Greg here in a minute, but... Christian, your former father, it tells us that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy, Jesus said. John 10.10. 10. That's what his purpose was for your life. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life, to give you an abundant life, 
That's the difference between the two fathers. And you'll never experience that rich and satisfying life, that abundant life, until you wrestle around with, man, what do I need to give up? What are some things, some distractions in my life? Father, would you help us all this week as we go about our lives, whether we're involved in a hobby or at work or we're watching over our kids or keeping track of our homes, whatever it might be, may, may the thought of what is it that's distracting me from fulfilling my mission, may that question not easily leave our minds. May your family here at Big Valley Grace wrestle around with that. And then God, when you reveal it to us, because you already know what it is, may we make the right choices. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness to us. And I pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Live for Christ.